Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Tired of long waits and rushed care at the ER and urgent care clinic? Next time, stay home and let Dispatch Health bring the power of the hospital to you. I call Dispatch Health. A care team of medical professionals actually come to your house. They're the same caliber of people that you would see if you were at a hospital or an urgent care. Dispatch Health can treat most non-life-threatening emergencies. They can do the x-rays, they can do stitches. Urinary tract infections, blood tests, urinalysis, ultrasound. It's almost everything that they can do at the ER. You never feel rushed. They're there for you and only you. I felt like their only patient. And it costs no more than a trip to urgent care because Dispatch Health is covered by most insurance, including Medicare. See if we serve your home at DispatchHealth.com. Dispatch Health really went above and beyond. It's wonderful to have care come to your home. House calls are back and they're better than ever. Learn more at DispatchHealth.com. fraudulent prime time January 6th hearings that were actually produced by a uh, television network executive to provide the necessary gravitas so that those watching would know how terribly serious this whole situation was and and how it was all an evil plot by the 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 terrible former president Donald Trump flopped they flopped bad nobody watched because nobody cares because nobody buys this because there were never 81 million voters 
the entire election was a fraud and everybody knows it, with the exception of a few very, how shall I put this, stubborn holdouts. So, where does that leave us? Uh, what does that say for the future? Well, first of all, let's take a look at what the Democrats wanted out of this. The Democrats wanted a big W out of this. They wanted a massive win. They wanted to be able to take Trump down. I mean, they, they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't bring home the impeachment because of those rotten uh, Republicans in, in the Senate. Uh, so they would have to crucify Trump in the court of public opinion. They would have to uh, destroy him in everybody else's minds. And, and this tells you, this tells you a lot about where the Democrats are in general, the, the, the Democrat leadership uh, in general. These are people who are the youngest of them are in their 70s. These are the, the leftovers, uh, the, the few remaining sandal-wearing, dope-smoking hippies from the 60s and 70s. And that's where they live in their minds. Uh, my late uh, grandfather used to say that... Um, uh, life was kind of like a, a train, a, um, a locomotive. And at certain points in your life, you get off the train at certain locations, like the music location, the, the music train. You, you tend to hop off of that at a certain time in your life and you stop listening to new music. Uh, I'm going to digress again here and, and state that that's actually not healthy for you and it helps combat uh, dementia if you continue to listen to new music and, and that kind of thing. Maybe Joe should have thought of that. But anyway, I'm coming back now. Um, and the fashion. We all see this. We all see the old guy uh, walking down the street and he's, you know, wearing the, the old fashions and stuff like that. So you get off the fashion train. It up. Well, the same thing applies to technology, um, uh, at least in this case, or culture, excuse me, for uh, the Democrats now, these, these septuagenarians and octogenarians that, that control the Democrat Party and that tried to railroad Trump, um, they, they still think that they own public opinion via the television news media. They still believe that. And that's why they did what they did. That's why they've been televising these hearings to the extent that they have. Uh, and that's why they decided that they were going to use a, a TV network executive uh, to produce a, a big, for lack of a better term, documentary on the whole January 6th thing and their findings and all that kind of stuff. Because they still think that that's how you reach 
the hearts and minds of the people of the United States. And baby, that's, that was left behind back in, in the 80s. People don't do that anymore. With the advent of the internet and the, the ability for people all over the world to share information of all kinds, you don't have a monopoly on information anymore. You certainly, uh, well, they aren't interested in the truth, but you don't have a, mon a monopoly on that either, uh, dear Democrats. Um, so that shows you where they were. They were trying to get a big win out of this. They were trying to get, uh, they were trying to get it, uh, get to the hearts and minds of the people and show them you don't want to vote for Trump and you sure don't want to vote for anybody who is endorsed by Trump. You want to keep us in power in the midterms. You want to vote for us because we're looking out for you. Trump is evil. He's terrible. He's rotten. And we're trying to protect you so, so that we, the Democrats and the, the establishment rhinos, the old guard, so that we who know better than you how to take care of you and what you need and what you want so that we can take, so that we can take care of you, you need to vote for us. And here's proof. Look at all the evil, terrible stuff that, that, that's the fault of Donald J. Trump. Look at all that terrible stuff that happened. Yeah, not so much. Not so much. Now, there are some of the younger Democrats that are more tech-savvy that understand the, the importance of uh, the interwebs. Um... Those are the ones that are living in their parents' basements and, and so on and so forth, the, the true believers, the ones that were educated by by these activist Democrats and, and their hippies, uh, or these, these Democrat hippies and, and, and the... Uh, anyway, the, the ones that were brought up with this, and, and they live on the interwebs. And so that's why they're the ones that are freaking out about Twitter and so forth, because <laughs> you're losing the web, too. And the reason is, is because, as I frequently say, the more you live your life out of phase with reality, the more you're going to harm yourself and other people, but also when you come into contact, and this will inevitably happen, when you come into contact with reality, you're going to lose. Because if you have a problem with reality, it's not reality that has the problem. It's you. So your fantasies your manufactured reality, your truth, when it comes into contact with the truth, you're going to lose every single time. And so, and, and that's what's been happening all over the place. I mean, the, 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 the uh, globalist uh, establishment is, is crumbling worldwide, all over the world. And this situation was, was no exception. Uh, 
there was there was like no support for the whole January 6th thing in the first place and then it just went downhill from there and culminated in this great big production that nobody watched and nobody cares about so that's what the democrats were hoping to get out of it they were hoping to get out a big win that just just might save them in the midterms and that's not going to happen this actually goes to uh, a prediction that i made you know, over a year ago um before I got into this broadcasting stuff. But I digress. We're going to get to that, actually. We're going to get to that. Because there was one person there who is young enough to be able to turn this fraudulent committee to her advantage, at least, she thinks to her advantage, or she can use it to her advantage, I should say. And that's what she's doing. Um, and she, ironically, is going to be leading the future of the Democrat Party. See, that person is Liz Cheney. And Liz Cheney uh, is one of two members of the Republican Party that were allowed onto the January 6th committee because they, she is, she is a hardcore Trump-hating rhino establishment person. I almost said it. I almost, but I didn't. I didn't. I'm going to be good. Anyway, she has been to the extent that network TV will allow her uh using this committee to get as much as as much exposure as possible and i would go so far as to call her the hillary clinton of the republican party but not for long you see let's rewind a bit um Back when a lot of people were thinking that the Republican Party was uh, irretrievable and that we conservative constitutionalists, true Americans, we would need to form a third party and no, there were a lot of people out there who who correctly spotted that that's not a viable option. There's no way that that would work ever. Uh, and they were right. And it was Dan Bongino, 
who pointed out what needs to happen is the Republican Party is our party. It belongs to us. We just need to take it back. We need to fight for it and take it back. And that's what happened via Donald J. Trump. So uh, he, he, he led the charge. And there's still a lot of work to do on that front, but we're doing it. That's the important thing. And as a result, more and more, these establishment types who used to be able to fool people with their various antics, even on Twitter, uh, the, the, one of the things that they do that drives me up a wall is they'll tweet about, oh, look, the Democrats are doing this and the Democrats are doing that and Biden is doing this and Biden is just, he's just terrible and uh, Biden is terrible. You should vote for us. You should, Why? Why? Because you maternal fornicators aren't doing anything. All you're doing is whining. You whine enough to get your, your campaign financing, and then you win elections, and then you don't do anything. Or you do the same thing the Democrats are doing, just slower. All in the name of bipartisanship. Well, how come is it that you guys are the only ones being bipartisan and giving up our liberties to do it? Anyway. Excuse me. Sorry, time for some tea. No, I do not have my own tea company or my own coffee company. <clears throat> but I do love me some tea. That, by the way, is a wonderful organic Earl Grey green tea. Didn't know they made that, did you? Well, they do. Anyway. Uh, so these establishment Democrats who, who they hate us or they hold us, they hold us in contempt and now they hate us because they hate Donald J. Trump and, and it's not Donald J. Trump. He represents us. So they really hate us. It's us that they hate. Make no mistake. Anyway, we managed to start marginalizing these guys. And they they now now they're doing the thing where you know how they pretend to be conservative for a while until they get reelected and then they can become uh, establishment rhino jackasses again. Um, they they're trying to do that, but with Trump. So they're trying to be Trumpsters because at least these guys are smart enough to see which side of the bread has butter on it. But even now, you know, we're being able to identify them because we're watching them now. So when they go in to, to like, like uh, my least favorite uh, uh, Navy veteran and uh, current politician scumbag, uh, Dan Crenshaw, you know, he'll, he'll, oh, he'll be all up in there being all conservative on Twitter uh, and, uh, in, in speeches or on TV when people actually watch that. Um, but, but when it comes, when the rubber meets the road and he has to do something truly conservative to defend our liberties and to defend the constitution of the United States. And yes, Dan, I said it. 
he doesn't do it. He is so quick to throw us under the bus, it ain't even funny. Because he getting paid. He, he, he's, he's made it, as far as he's concerned. And as long as the idiots in his, uh, in his, um, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, district, I was about to say, I kept wanting to say area of operations. <laughs> in his district, keep electing him. He's going to keep doing stupid stuff. And he's going to keep being a jackass. And I can't say too much about that because the people in my district, uh, they've got one too that we've got to get rid of, in my never-to-be-humble opinion. Uh, but anyway, um, so you've got these rhinos that are... That, but they keep losing ground. They're not gaining any ground. And a lot of them, the ones who who actually have a brain in their head, um, they're retiring. But then you got the ones who don't want to retire. They like their cushy job. They like being the ones who are greeted in the town square. They like the respect. They like being thought of as leaders. They like being part of the permanent political ruling class. So what are they to do? Because pretty soon, they're not going to have a place in the Republican Party. As a matter of fact, that has been made very clear to Liz Cheney herself. The Republican Party in Wyoming has all but kicked her out. So what is a Liz Cheney to do? And she said she's running again, which is stupid. She's going to lose. She's going to lose hard. Uh, unless there is some serious wicked cheating going on, which there might be. You never know. I, I never count. I never count any of these anal orifices out. Um, anyway, let me tell you what I see. And I've been saying this for a while. The Democrat Party has, has been on the decline. Uh, they've been on the decline for a long time. The last true, truly elected Democrat president was William Jefferson Clinton and even him, I'm kind of iffy on. I'm kind of iffy on him. But what about Barack Obama, you might say, you racist SOB? No, no, Barack Obama wasn't supposed to happen. He was an aberration. It was supposed to be Hillary Clinton. And then Barry came out of nowhere and stole the nomination from her. And I'm sure there's a made-for-TV movie somewhere in there, and I would love to see it, but ain't nobody going to make it. Because probably all the people who know the inside dope are already dead. Uh, no, no, no Arkansas jokes here. Epstein didn't kill himself. Anyway, um... 
But no, Barack Obama was was a fluke. He was an aberration. Um, the only reason that Democrats have been elected for the past, I don't know, 40 years, I'm thinking, is because they were up against extraordinarily weak Republicans, horrifyingly weak, weak Republicans. And I believe that was on purpose, too. Don't get me wrong. I believe that was on purpose. That was by design because that's the only way Democrats could get in. And the establishment has this ebb and flow, this yin and yang concept that we get in for a while and then it's your turn to get in for a while and then we get in for a while. But as long as we're all part of the same club, it's okay. And Liz Cheney is part of that group. But the, the, but the Republican Party under Donald Trump is not going to play that game anymore. We, the people, want victory. We want to win. We want to keep this country. And God help the establishment, we want to be back in charge. And that just doesn't fit in with a lot of people up there in Washington, D.C.'s plan, especially Liz Cheney's. But here we've got a dying Democrat party. We've got a crumbling Republican establishment. What, what, are, what are they to do? Well, I, I saw this from, from quite a couple of years ago, a couple of three years ago, that what's going to happen, by necessity really, uh, First of all, it is within the Democrat Party's personality to continually have to rebrand itself, reinvent itself. They have to do this by necessity because what happens is they meet with a certain amount of success. They overshoot that success, exposing who they really are to the American people, and then they get smacked down hard. And so what they have to do is they have to rebrand themselves, come back as another think about it they they their first uh, they, they have different terms they've gone through liberal progressive uh so, social democrats um democratic social they have all these terms and they have to keep rotating through the terms and uh, even uh, when clinton who is an example of this clinton had to reinvent the democrat party uh, in order to get elected, because the Democrat, the Democrats after Carter had such a bad reputation, nobody wanted to vote for him, except for the their few, the, you know, the the holdouts, the the solid pockets that they had, and they still had some pretty good solid pockets back then. Not, not anymore. As a matter of fact, who was it? I think it was Steve Turley who recently said, Dr. Steve Turley, I love his show, uh, recently said that it is ironic, but it looks like it's Barack Obama who destroyed the Republican Party. His brand, uh, or I'm sorry, destroyed the Democrat Party. His brand of, uh, of politics was so activist, so radical, that he tarred the Democrat Party bad, uh, irretrievably so. Um, 
So you've got this party that's dying. I'm I'm going to go out and say dead because to and to make this point you've got this doddering moron one of the most corrupt and stupid even when he wasn't going through dementia the man was an absolute idiot you've got this guy who was installed no way 81 million people voted for that guy no way there's a lot of stupid people in this country but not that many and the ones that are that stupid typically don't vote. But anyway, this moron got installed because the Democrats were able to pull out every single last trick in the book to get him elected. He's their, he was their best guy. Okay, he was their best guy. And they're not going to run him again. They can't run him again because he has done so much damage. Because it's Barack Obama who's whispering in, in his ears. It's, it's the third term of Obama. And, and so the economy's terrible and all that kind of stuff. All of the things that, that are going on right now are his fault. And the Republicans who allowed him to be elected, ultimately. Uh, but they can't run him again. Kamala Harris who is the definition of a token uh, hire of an affirmative action politician. They can't run her because nobody likes her. And she's stupid too. She didn't make it past the first debate in the primaries. The only reason they put her in is to try to get the women and black vote. To try to get some kind of support going for Biden. That's the only reason she was in in the first place. So, and then there's the argument that she's impeachment insurance. I disagree with that. Um, and that's a discussion for a different time. I'm not going to digress into that. But anyway, they're not going to run him. Who have they got? They got nobody. They got zero. Pete Buttigieg, please. Nobody knows who that guy is. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. He's got the personality of a wet blanket. No way. They don't have anybody. Uh, so who are they looking towards? Again, not kidding. Hillary Clinton. This is a woman who can't... She's almost... She's almost as... At least physically deteriorated as uh, Biden... Um, but yeah, that's who they got and that's who they're currently thinking of. But what if, 
What if Liz Cheney paved the way courageously reached across the aisle and with the help of strong courageous Americans like Mitt Romney and maybe even Dan Crenshaw created a new alliance, an alliance that this country needs, a truly bipartisan party to rescue the United States from the xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic, racist, MAGA Trumpsters and, and, and Donald J. Trump himself. Now that, that would be something. They could even call it something really cool and, and, and imaginative like the New Democrat Party. They won't be able to call it the Republican Party because we'll own that. So, yeah, and I've thought this, again, I've been thinking about this for a while, and, and it's happening now, or at least the, the, the groundwork is being laid for this move for her. Liz Cheney is going to take this January 6th thing because there are enough radical Democrats and there are enough in the electorate and there are enough uh, anti-Trump voters out there to give her some type of support, some level of support. It ain't 81 million, but it's enough. I'd put it at less than a third of the population, but that's just my humble but correct opinion. But She's going to use this as a springboard, I'm telling you. And she's already been rejected by the Republican Party. And if Trump gets even close to the nomination, because he's already running the Republican Party, but if he gets the nomination, she's done. She is absolutely done. She's not going to get anywhere, and she knows it. And again, the Republican Party in her own state has rejected her. So what's a girl to do? Well, it's not going to take a whole lot of convincing from the Democrats. And she's young. She's young compared to Hillary. Now, the next step all depends on... And again, I think, you, I think you're going to see uh, guys like Adam Kinzinger, maybe Dan Crenshaw, um, and the like rhinos uh, glomming onto this, jumping into this with both feet. And they'll try to take over, and they'll be able to take over this new party, and, and they will in some ways resemble the Democrat Party of old, 
um, through their moderation, and they'll be able to blame all the failures of this past Democrat Party on the the squad and the AOC radicals and stuff like that. And they'll be able to pull it off. We took over the Republican Party. They get to take over the Democrat Party. And they got the youngsters to do it. Um, and yeah, you'll see your Mitt Romneys and, and, and maybe a Dan Crenshaw or, or, or something. Certainly a lot of the, maybe some of the, a decent amount of the Republicans from the Senate, maybe. We'll, uh, we'll jump ship. Maybe. Well, I'm not going to say a decent amount. I'm going to say one or two. Um, depending on how much, how successful it is. But again, the next step is to see exactly how strong the Clinton uh, machine still is. So we could see, uh, don't, don't doubt me, folks, as, as the great late Rush Limbaugh used to say. It would not surprise me to see a Hillary Clinton-Liz Cheney ticket for 2024 because Liz Cheney will be able to carry Hillary in the public, uh, in, in the, in the public appearances that Hilly, Hilly won't be able to make, uh, Liz Cheney will be able to make it. And in the debates, Liz Cheney will be there. She'll be able to, to do it. And, and with hopes of, you know, Hillary being a one term president and then she'll, She'll come in or something like that. But she, Liz Cheney is the type who she knows how to look out for Liz. She can play the game. I mean, hey, look at her dad. Okay. She was raised to play the game. Um, I see that happening uh, as a possibility. Now, as an outside possibility, the Clinton machine isn't quite as powerful as... Uh, as, and it and they're not they're not as powerful as they once were. But let's say they're not as power they're not powerful enough to get Hillary back on the ticket solidly. It also would not surprise me at all to see a uh, Romney Cheney ticket or even a Cheney Romney ticket. You know, hell, if we're going to go all out, let's do it. So these things would not surprise me. And that's where I think this is going for Liz Cheney. And I think at the same time that this these January 6th hearings that were such a flop are one of the final nails in the coffin of the current Democratic Party. I believe that they will also be the springboard for the new Democrat Party. But I guess we'll see. And, and you know, if, if stuff, because this is all dynamic, if stuff happens, I'll be there to tell you about it. But keep your eyes open, folks. This, this stuff is happening right now.
Why is there such a big push by the LGBTQ, LMNOP, EIEIO, MOUSE people against Western culture? Well, let me put my readers on. Why do we need a Pride Month? Why do we need to have people of this particular proclivity or various proclivities portrayed incessantly ad nauseum in entertainment and news media? What purpose does that serve? It is my contention that this is not just some awareness campaign, some kind of get-to-know-you type of thing. Rather, this is a marketing campaign. A we-want-more-of-us campaign. Let me explain. The current population or percentage of the population that identify as homosexual, transsexual, whatever sexual, the various sexuals, anything other than heterosexual, is, depending on where you look, between 3.5 and 3.8% of the population. This is not something that you will see from the media, the various uh, entertainment media and news media. They portray upwards to even 50% or more in some cases of the population to be any one of these uh, non-heterosexual, sexual, non-sexually normative, as they call it, um, people. There are some shows like uh, on the CW, uh, like Batwoman, where every single character is uh, homosexual or transsexual or some other form of sexual, other than sexual normative. Uh, But again, in reality, depending on the uh, data that you're looking at, um, it's between 3.5 and 3.8% of the population. This, of course, begs the question... Why major corporations, why major entertainment uh, corporations seem dedicated to pandering to this group? I have heard it said, and this is probably true, that the homosexual community, at least, 
has an enormous amount of disposable income, but I seriously doubt that it is enough to in any way eclipse the disposable income of everybody else in the United States. I just don't buy that. Um, as a contrast, these corporations ignore and in many cases, go out of their way to offend Christians and Muslims in the United States. Christians, again, depending on the data that you're looking for or looking at, uh, comprise 65 to 75% of the population of the United States. Now, again, these are people who identify as Christians. All right. Uh, and that's a whole other story as, as far as what a real Christian is. And we can get into that uh, another time. But 65 to 75% of the U.S. population identify as Christian. An additional 1% of the U.S. population at this point in time uh, is Muslim or identify as Muslim. And again, we can get into what is a real Muslim and what is a professed Muslim or the difference, say, uh, when it comes to Christians and Muslims, the difference between a cultural Christian uh, and a cultural uh, you know, cultural Christians and Muslims and actual practicing Christians and Muslims. They're, they're two different things entirely. But these, you know, lump them together and these are the numbers that you have. So you've got anywhere from 66 to 76 percent of the United States who profess a lifestyle that uh, to which homosexuality and other forms of uh, sexual, uh, well, for lack of a better term, sexual deviance, non-sexually normative, if you prefer, uh, that those are considered um, by these faiths uh, to be uh, practices that run counter to God. God, the definition of God, big G being the creator of everything, the designer of everything, and the arbiter of truth. And that's also another uh, that's also another discussion. What is truth or does truth even exist? Uh, I will leave you with this. If you say that truth does not exist, I am going to ask you, is that statement true? Okay. All of these population data out there uh, and out of the way what is the reason then, uh, if it ain't money, what is the reason for uh, pandering 
to all of these different uh, lifestyle choices, these non-normative lifestyle, sexual lifestyle choices. I don't want to leave that part out because sex is the central purpose for all of these uh, various uh, non-normative lifestyles. Uh, they're all centered around sex. I don't think there can be an argument made against that particular point. So you ask, why do we need a Pride Month? Why do we need a massive overrepresentation in the media if it isn't about money? And the answer that you will receive is... Well, it's to present the people who engage in these alternative lifestyles as normal so that they do not suffer uh, crimes against them, to protect them, as it were, from uh, violence. Now... I'm going to go out and say that disagreeing with somebody's lifestyle is not violence, okay? It's just not. That is another debate for another time, but the fact is it is not violence to disagree with somebody. Uh, it is not hate to disagree with somebody. Both of these concepts are thrown out there so that uh, to, to uh, discourage disagreement. They are logical fallacies and they are not true. Reasonable debate is about reaching the truth. And again, the other side, the those who engage in these different lifestyles are very much not interested in the truth such that they will even go so far as to say it doesn't exist. But again, debate for another time. I'm trying to stick to my notes here. I'm really ADHD. It's really hard to get me off the subject. So, hence the notes. All right. So, they say they're trying to prevent violent crimes against uh, this community. And absolutely, I completely agree, we need to prevent crimes against this community, 100%. We need to prevent crimes, violent crimes, period, though. It ain't just about this community. It's about everybody. Okay? Just because you're you identify as whatever or your skin color is whatever does not mean you're not a human being. And more to the point, just because somebody doesn't engage in these behaviors or doesn't share your skin color doesn't make them not a human being. We're all human beings. Everybody. I have been a surgical nurse for 
a long time. I have seen the insides of every different color of person and of every different sexual whatever of person. And let me tell you what, they all look the same, except for there are a few notable exceptions, a few very notable exceptions heart placement might be different or the heart might even be reversed or something along those lines. Um, but ultimately, all of our insides look the same. And that's not just the body, folks. All of our spirits and souls are human. Whether you believe in that stuff or not, it's a fact. All of our spirits and souls are human. Anyway, I digress, as I frequently do. So, trying to prevent these crimes, I decided, hey, I'm going to go ahead and look up the crime statistics for hate crimes. I, by the way, going to digress again, do not believe in such a thing as hate crime because there's no such thing as a love crime. Okay? I'm not going to steal your stuff because I love you. That ain't love, folks, which is a discussion for another time, the definition of love. The left hates definitions, by the way, but I digress. So let's look at these statistics that I found. I went to the FBI and uh, the uh, uh, Bureau of uh, Crime Statistics or Department of Crime statistics, DOJ crime statistics. I went to those guys, the experts. Uh, the most recent data that they have that's completed compiling is 2019. So I looked at that. I looked at the hate crimes. There were, a t- as far as total of hate crimes, there were a little over 8,700 these are verifiable, by the way, hate crimes. These are, these are crimes where there's no question whatsoever that this maternal fornicator attacked that maternal fornicator for a reason, because their skin was different or be, because of this abstract reason, you know, uh, so these are verifiable. The guy ran up and did, you know, smacked him over the head and saying, I'm doing this to you because you're whatever. So a little over 8,700 in, in 2019. And you would think by watching the media, by listening to the news media, watching the TV media and stuff like that, you would think that these statistics were way higher than that. Oh, there are so many hate crimes just happening all over. Mm, apparently not. Apparently not. Not not verifiable. Well, you know, when this guy did this to that other guy, he was thinking that, nah, we don't do the mind reading stuff. In science, we, we can't read minds. And I'm pretty sure nobody else can either. 
Okay. So scientifically speaking, statistically speaking, we don't do that. We don't try to read people's minds because you can't read me people's minds. You use the data that's verifiable. And that's what they did. So 8,700 hate crimes. Now, we can break these hate crimes down into different types of crime. Okay. Crimes against persons. Crimes against property, that kind of thing. And we, we, we can also break them down as far as what was the reason. Was it racial? Was it based on the person's faith? Was it based on their sexual identity or their sexual orientation? So I looked at those statistics. Based on sexual orientation and sexual identity... Excuse me. Based on sexual orientation and sexual identity, I looked at those and then I also looked up crimes against persons. Because crimes against property, yeah, we're talking about violent crime here. We're trying to stop violent crime, which again, I completely support. But I support preventing violent crime against everybody. Because we're all the same. We're all equal. I came up with 1,700 verifiable cases of crimes against persons based on sexual orientation or sexual identity in 2019. 1,700 cases. Or no, wait a minute. I'm sorry, total crimes against persons, crimes against property, 1,700 cases. I made a mistake. Forgive me. As, as, as Willy Wonka would say, strike that, reverse it. So 1,700 verifiable cases of hate crimes, period, against people because of their sexual orientation or sexual identity in 2019. 64.4% of those were crimes against persons, which leads us to 1,095 cases of violent, well, not even violent, violent crime, just crimes against persons uh, based on sexual identity, sexual orientation, 2019. Stay with me. This gets really interesting. So let's compare that to... Let's say that all of these crimes against persons were violent crimes against persons. Let's just go ahead and make that assumption. Even though that is not the case, it's at that point we're picking at nits. It doesn't really matter. Let's say they're all violent. I'm going to beat you over the head with a banana because you're whatever. Sexual whatever. All right. Nationwide. 2019, again, statistics from the FBI. Nationwide, there were 1,203,808 violent crimes across the United States. That's against everybody. These violent crimes include simple assault, aggravated assault, rape, etc. 
if you if you do the numbers, if you're looking for a percentage now of those violent crimes, assumed violent crimes perpetrated against people because of their sexuality of whatever sexuality they are against all of the violent crimes in the United States in 2019 you come up with a number that is 0.09% okay that's not i'm not confusing the concept of where the uh uh decimal point goes I am, after all, a trained scientist, an actual scientist, who follows evidence and not ideology. Because I don't really care about ideology. All I care about is what makes sense. It's part of being an INTJ. We're weird that way. I'm talking about nine hundredths of a percent. That's not even close to 1%. Nowhere close to 1%. Which means that the incidence of violent crime against people because of their sexual orientation or their sexual proclivities, their sexual identities, is statistically insignificant. Now, oh, sit down, sit down, you, sit down. You got people out there already getting their knickers in a twist because I said that the statistic was insignificant. That's what I said, the statistic is insignificant. I'm not saying that the crimes are insignificant. Any violent crime against anybody is wrong. It is a sin. And that's a discussion for another day, too. What is sin? But I'm not going to digress into that. That's a long sermon, Jack. So, now we have the fact that, statistically speaking, There's no way that this big media push for the non-normative sexual community has anything whatsoever to do with money because they, they just don't make up that much of the population. So that's not what it's about compared to the rest of the population, especially when you compare them to those who are actively not, such as Christians and Muslims, barring a few uh, exceptions, of course. But even within the Christian and Muslim community that might identify as sexual whatever, uh, they fall within the 35 to 3.8%, maybe, maybe not, because they, they actually might not uh, report themselves as that, but they might if it's, if it's uh, not openly. 
in a census report. Certainly nobody from their churches is going to find out. But again, we're picking at nits at that point, which is something that I love to do, but I'm not going to do here because it will bore the hell out of you. Well, most of you. There might be some of my people out there. There might be some of my INTJ weirdos out there. And 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 if there are, love you guys. So if it ain't money, and it ain't to prevent crime, then what's it about? Here's what I think, and, and, and this is the only conclusion that I can come to. Those people who are sexually non-normative, by definition, are incapable of normal reproduction. Allow me to explain a little bit. Normal reproduction requires a male and a female. This is also why there's this big stupid push that is so counter to reality as to say that males can become pregnant, which is absolute objective insanity. Again, I've been inside in surgery, in surgery, both males and females. I know you, I see you, I know what you're thinking. Both males and females. Surgically, I have been inside both. And I can tell you, they're different. So, males cannot have babies. Males cannot become pregnant. Go ahead, try and deplatform me. See what happens. Um, so, the only way that you can actually reproduce, have babies is for a male to impregnate a female. And they, sexually non-normative people, by definition, don't do that. For them, it's male and male, or female and female, or males that think they're males, or females that think they're females. I actually have experienced this, by the way, with a friend of mine, who, who, this is where I first became aware of it, and I am going to digress here, so deal with it. Uh, this friend of mine, we actually grew up together. I mean, from elementary school. Knew each other from elementary school. And while I was in the service, uh, he decided to transition. He decided to become... Uh, a a female, and he uh, had the money for gender reassignment and did the whole nine yards. He's got boobies, the whole, the, everything. Uh, but when I talk to him, it's the same thing. I mean, we, we fall into our routine just like we'd never been apart, you know, because we've known each other forever anyway. So I figure he did this because he's into guys. Okay. Um... But what do I find? <laughs> he was, at least, and this was years and years ago, he was 
romantically involved with another guy that had transitioned into a girl. I don't know. And I even told him, I said, man, you're not heterosexual. You're not homosexual. I said, but you're, what are you? You're just, you're just a sexual. That's, that's all it is, is about sex for you. And he even admitted, he said, yeah, you know, I like dudes. I like girls, whatever. And I was like, sure. Okay. Because when it comes down to it, he, he's still the guy I grew up with. And I call him he because that's what I grew up with. So again, deal with it. Oh, you're a boomer. Uh, yeah. Deal with it. Not so much a boomer as a truther. And by truther, I mean somebody who's who looks at the truth. Because if I stick a needle in him and I pull out his blood and I analyze his blood... Chromosomes are still going to come out X, Y. It's just a fact, you know. If 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 I take a, a, a Mercedes-Benz symbol and slap it on my Nissan, it, it doesn't make it a Mercedes-Benz. It just doesn't. You know, I would love to have a Benz, but it ain't going to happen, at least, at least no time soon. So they're incapable of reproduction. Which means the only way that they can make more of themselves, which is a normal human thing, you want to make more of yourself, they have to recruit. That's the only way to do it. Now here's their problem. Sexual identity, for the most part, in a developmentally healthy uh, adult is fixed by their late teens, normally actually early 20s. And this is going off of uh, Erickson's uh, stages of development. Sexual identity is cemented or, or it's, it's, it forms in the teens uh during the identity versus role confusion phase this is why in order to get enough converts if you were or if you will in order to get enough converts they have to get people during or prior to that phase of development they have to. They have no choice. You, you're not going to get enough recruits from people whose sexual identity has already been cemented. So you have to go after those who are developmentally malleable. And those are people who are either in that stage of development, which is your early to late teens, early 20s, or before. Now, if you will recall, a few years ago, 
the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus were kind enough to inform us of this fact in song. And hey, I love a good musical. I actually did musical theater myself uh, about a hundred years ago or so. Uh, Pharaoh, actually, and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yep. Uh, they told us in song what they were going to do. They actually said in the song, We're coming for your children. Ladies and gentlemen, they were not kidding. And we are seeing this play out now. Not sure what that was. It just fell on the floor. That's what I get for banging on the table. I have to start hitting the chair or something. Anyway, they are coming for our children. They were not kidding. The way that they do this is they invaded academia long time ago. The left invaded academia a long time ago. And all of these... Basically, the, the, the marching orders for the left ultimately originate within academia. They start in colleges, in universities, in California, and they work their way east. That's typically how this works. And that's where this came from. And so you've got these people who went to these universities and colleges now also teaching in universities and colleges and teaching in public schools and some private schools. And their mission is not to educate your children in the subjects that they say they're going to teach. They don't teach them math, that that is not their mission for these activists. I'm going to say that for these activists. I'm not saying all teachers. You can't tar me with that. You can try, but it won't work. Their mission is to, instead of teaching history, instead of teaching, uh, um, instead of teaching math, instead of teaching science, instead of teaching critical thinking and logic, philosophy. Their mission is to teach your children how to be non-normative sexually. That, ladies and gentlemen, is downright satanic, and an argument could be made that it is illegal. It is certainly unethical. And we can get into the morality of it, but I'm not gonna, because that's a whole other discussion. And again, I would love to digress. I really love to do that, but I'm not gonna do it. I'm not. I'm not gonna give in to temptation. He's being tempted, folks. No, I'm not. Yes, he is. Don't you fall into temptation. I want to, but I'm not gonna get into it. Not here. That actually would be a neat discussion for, like, a live stream. 
I might work that out. I might, because I've got panelists and stuff like that that I can call. Anyway. That's what's going on. That's what's going on with the non-normative sexual movement. Now you will note during this entire 37 minutes that I have not said anything about them being the LGBTQ. Well, actually I did. I did once. The LGBTQ, LMNOP, EIEIO, MOUSE people. That was in jest. I am not going to refer to them as however many letters they currently have in their name. Because they keep adding them. They keep adding colors to their little flag. Because there's no limit to human imagination. Yes, I said human imagination, and there's a reason I said that, and that is something that I will get into later. Maybe not in this particular broadcast, but later, for sure. Um, but I believe that there's a reason that they are doing that, whether they know it or not. And that has to do with the spiritual aspect of this particular issue, which, again, I will be getting into at a later time. Right now, I'm just discussing the cultural aspect of this issue. So I will leave it there. But I will tell you, yes, there is a reason why I did not and will not use the various letters that they identify themselves with. One of those reasons is because I am not responsible for maintaining uh, or accountable for maintaining your uh, frame of reference, your imaginings. I'm not. I don't have to. Because you do not control me. You do not own me. That is the definition of totalitarianism, by the way, is, is not only controlling what people do, but controlling what they think. And no, you don't control what I think. And no, you can't control what I say. So, just leaving it at that right there. So, in a nutshell, that's what's going on with this non-normative, non-sexual, these sexually non-normative uh, individuals and, and their movement. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that.
told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I am not above telling people I told them so, and I told them so. What I'm talking about is Disney's Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Man, I gotta ask, and this is hard for me, because I was one of those hopeful holdouts. I was one of those people who, when the Mandalorian came in and, 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 it was just really good, and, and Favreau and Filoni were in there, and it was just, I was like, yes! Kathleen Kennedy has been relegated to, to, to a corner office, and she has been quietly retired, and, and Star Wars is back, baby. Oh, not so much, but I still held out hope. I still held out hope. I'm 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 a very despite the people who out there who actually know me, I can be uh, a very optimistic person. No, really, seriously, I can be. I can. And I was in this case. I really was. I had high hopes, man. I was just oh, and then the book of Boba Fett happened. And that was just some of the dumbest excrement I have ever, ever seen on screen. And you're talking to somebody who has two young school-aged boys who watch some of the dumbest stuff on TV. Some stuff where I'm just watching it and... Because I'm one of those weirdos. Again, I'm one of those INTJ weirdos. I I insist that things make sense. And I'm willing, I'm willing to suspend disbelief to a certain point. But there is a point at which that suspension just becomes too much to bear. Such was the case with the book of Boba Fett. Oh my gosh, that was stupid. So dumb. So dumb. And Disney actually knew that. Disney Disney knew that it was dumb so that they tried to rescue it mid-season with two episodes taken from The Mandalorian Season 3. And the way that it ended... The way that the book of Boba Fett ended tells me that the Mandalorian season three is going to be a bunch of crap too. So I'm not even going to waste my time on that. The book of Boba Fett was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. So when everybody was all fired up about, oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's coming out and they're bringing back the, the Ewan McGregor and they're bringing back uh, Hayden Christensen and he's going to actually be in the suit this time and it's so exciting. No. No. 
automatically, before even the trailer came out, the only thing in my head was how are they going to fornicate this up? That's what I wanted to know. And then the trailer came out. And then I was like, oh, that's how they're going to do it. And let me tell you, because even after the trailer came out, there were so many people, people I respect, people who whose uh, programs on YouTube I watch every day, regularly, people I'm a fan of. People who had previously even said, I'm done with Star Wars, and, and here they are. Oh, Obi-Wan and Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor. Oh, yay. And I was just like, man, it it ain't going to, it's going to suck. It's going to suck. Disney is going to jack this up. Disney has proven that they are willing, they have proven now with the surrender of Bob Chapek to the social justice weirdos or the stupid jackass weirdos, as I like to call them, that are employees and executives at Disney. He surrendered to them entirely, 100%, brought Kathleen Kennedy out of mothballs. And there's a rumor that they're just trying to rehabilitate her image so that she can leave on a high note. Good luck with that. Disney has proven that they are now willing to take the entire corporation down in the name of social justice. They are going to sacrifice the entire company, parks and all, on the altar of critical theory. They have proven that that is their plan, that they are willing to do this this is a hill upon which they will die. Which, quite frankly, is fine with me. Because considering what they did to Star Wars, and, and mind you, there is Lucas Star Wars and there is Disney Star Wars. Disney Star Wars is has never been anything but complete garbage with the possible exception of Rogue One. And I think that was a mistake. Not the movie itself, but the fact that it was good. It was a fluke. I'm sure that had they... I, I think it was they were, they were going to try to screw it up somehow, and they just couldn't. But either way, Disney Star Wars is complete garbage. And they're willing to take the whole corporation down with them. That being said, and I am not a financial advisor, but if I personally, 
excuse me, if I personally had any money whatsoever in anything even remotely related to Disney, I would be moving it. I would be moving it over to Discovery. Yes, because those guys are doing it right. And if I was... If I was really adventurous, I might even move it over to Netflix. Because it looks like Netflix is trying to to correct course. And they're doing so in a rapid fashion. But anyway, I digress, which I frequently do. Ask my wife. Hill that Disney is willing to die on. Trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi came out. Everybody's excited. People that I watch and respect and really, really like and enjoy their content on YouTube, they're excited. And I'm just like, no, no, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Hey. I am not, I am, I'm the last person to, to, blame somebody for their optimism when it comes to Star Wars. But I did not have it this time. And out comes the trailer. And I was watching one of these individuals whose content I enjoy on YouTube. And they were showing the trailer and they were all excited about the trailer. And I'm watching it with my eyes And again, those people who know me, uh, especially my wife and and my other family members, I can be a bit on the overly critical side. I tend to analyze everything. That's, again, just part of being an INTJ weirdo. So I'm analyzing this trailer and immediately, first freaking thing I see... That, that sends up a red flag is Reva. And I see her in a position of authority standing in front of the other inquisitors or some of the other inquisitors who are sitting at a table. And the reason that that was an initial uh, red flag was because there is no Reva from the Clone Wars. There is no Reva from Rebels. There's no Reva anywhere. But we're going to get back to that. Because that becomes the crux of a debate that I had. The next thing I notice that that sends up a red flag is that she is a black woman. Now, I'm not opposed to having a strong black woman in the movies. I'm not. 
when that strong black woman is a wonderful, dynamic character. Not because she is a strong black woman, but because she is a fantastic character. But that's not the case here in Obi-Wan Kenobi. She is a token. She is only there because of the color of her skin and her genitalia. That's it. That's all. That's the only reason she exists in this show. To send a message. Well, to send the message. Now, that was the first red flag. Because all of the other Inquisitors are humanoid, alien-like. But they are not human. Now, to their credit, kind of, the writers of Obi-Wan Kenobi managed to write this uh, hiccup into the show and explain it away in a manner that is entirely inconsistent with the personalities and the mission of the Inquisitors. But hey, who cares about canon? Disney certainly doesn't. So that was the first red flag. The next red flag that I noticed was that she was featured more in the trailer than Ewan McGregor was. She was certainly featured more in the trailer than Darth Vader was, who, as I recall, didn't even show up in the damn trailer. And we're pushing that, oh, Hayden Christensen, he's Darth Vader, and he's actually in the suit this time, and blah, 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 blah. Uh... They don't feature him in the trailer. Hayden Christensen, Darth Vader, Darth Vader, the villain of Star Wars, the quintessential villain of Star Wars. He doesn't show up in the trailer. Anyway, I noticed that she shows up more than Ewan McGregor, and, and she appears to actually be the central character of the trailer. And at that point, I had to comment on uh, YouTube and, and, and Twitter that this was going on that this is what I saw, and, and, and I, I, I pointed out, I said, this is what I see happening. What I see happening is she's the star of the show. She's a Mary Sue. She's a super force wielder. She don't just wield the force. She super wields it. And she's better than everybody else. And all of the other Inquisitors are jealous of her because she's a strong black woman. And she is capable of sensing things better than they can. And she's more powerful than they are. 
But at some point in time, and she's going to defeat Obi-Wan Kenobi. And she may even outshine Darth Vader. That's what I said. And at some point in time, near the end of the show, she is going to question her evilness, her dedication to the dark side. And she's going to switch sides. And she will in some way, shape, or form become the hero. She will, after defeating Ben Kenobi, she'll rescue Ben Kenobi and she'll save him. And maybe she'll even be responsible for saving Luke and uh, Baru and Owen. Shortly after I had made these observations, um, as from Heel versus Babyface, who is one of those guys that I just love to, to watch, he came out with his video and he wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. And he had the same observations as I did. He said she is going to have, she's going to be the central character. Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be cucked a la Jake Skywalker. And she is going to have a redemptive arc and become the, the big hero. So as and I were right there together. Matter of fact, his video came out like right after I had made my comments uh, immediately. Uh, maybe even at the same time. Two great minds. Um, then some other people started to pick up on, well, maybe this isn't going to be what we thought it was going to be, but we'll hold out hope. We are going to hold out hope. And then, then Disney resorted to the Ghostbusters 2016 marketing handbook. And they came out and accused, preemptively accused, Star Wars fans of, once again, being racists and bigots and homophobes and any of the other phobes that are out there. Homophobia, by the way, and transphobia, and those are misuses of the term phobia, but we won't get into that, even though I would love to. But they, they started that treatment, and right then I was just like, yep. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. This is what's going to happen. And sure enough, the show came out. I didn't watch it. I relied on the other people that I enjoy watching on on uh, YouTube. They watch it so I don't have to. And I've relied on them for like the whole MCU. And, and I've been right on every single one of them. Although I hear Shang-Chi is not a complete suck fest. I'm not going to watch it. And I'm going to digress here for just a second because I was reading those comic books back when I was a kid in the 70s. So I know what Shang-Chi is supposed to be. And he sure as 
excrement isn't supposed to be what Disney has made him out to be. Digression over. Anyway, so I'm watching the reviews from all of these shows and I'll be ding-dong damned if I wasn't right. Oh, I, I, I forget. Rewind. The leaks came out. The leaks came out first. The leaks of the last episode. And I was like, maternal fornicator, I knew it. I knew it. And and then they started the the push, uh, you know, the the attacks on the the fans, which I'm still I just don't get. Is the purpose of a company, the purpose of a corporation, is to make money. It is to make profit. You can't do that if you are constantly making a product that your consumers don't like and then attacking your consumers and personally insulting them because they don't like it. It's not going to work financially for you. Something that Disney is finding out, something that Netflix has found out and is correcting course or trying to. Disney ain't going to try that. No, no, no. They got their pedal to the floor, baby. Southbound and trucking. All the way. So, yeah, anyway, the show turns out exactly as I thought. So I posted on, uh, not Facebook. I don't, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Facebook is garbage. It's going to go the the way of uh, MySpace. Facebook is total garbage. The only possible thing that could save it is Elon Musk buying it too. And that ain't going to happen. It's, it's dying. It's dead for all intents and purposes. Uh, anyway, so I posted on Twitter that I was right. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is, is uh, a bunch of woke bovine excrement. And (laughs) you'd think they would learn some knucklehead stumbled across my post. And I'm not followed by left-wing knuckleheads. The reason I'm not followed by left-wing knuckleheads is because at the top of my profile, I have posted. If you are viewing this, if you are a liberal and you are looking at my profile, it is likely because I have already defeated you in debate and you are looking for some kind of personal information to use in an ad hominem attack that will mean absolutely nothing to me and won't make you any more right. So my advice to you is block me now and run. Now, to their credit, the vast majority of liberals follow that advice. And maybe because they have perused my profile and they've actually looked at some of the debates I've had with other liberals, I can shut down a liberal in debate usually in two posts. Sometimes it takes three. Occasionally, I get a really good one who likes a good discussion and is reasonable. And occasionally, I get a really dumb one who just won't quit. 
But either way, for the most part, I'm going to shut a liberal down on Twitter in about two or three posts. And I'm going to show you. This one, I did not. Because he was a good, honest liberal. If there is such a thing. Which this guy proves he, there, there was. Anyway, he comes on. Because I called it woke. And he said, well, what's woke? Why is it woke? He asked me, why Why is it woke? Now, this ain't my first rodeo. I've been debating these maternal fornicators for three decades. Easy. And I was like, first, you tell me what your definition of woke is. You have to nail down liberals to definitions. And that's usually how I make them quit, because they refuse they refuse to define anything. They follow the uh, philosophy of deconstruction, the linguistic philosophy of deconstruction, which generally what it, what it basically means is uh, from this philosophy's point of view, there are some concepts that are too complex for language to, uh, to explain break that down a little further, what they mean is words don't mean things. Or, more to the point, words can mean whatever I want them to mean. And that's how liberals debate. Is a word can mean whatever I want it to mean, like racism, their favorite word. You're a racist. You're an apt, you're just a racist. And yes, they all sound like that. Every single one of them. You're just a racist. What does racist mean? What's what's your definition of racism? Just so that we're on the same we're on the same page. They won't. They will run the second you ask them what the definition of racism is, or what the definition of whatever word is the linchpin of their argument. They will run. They will run because if you can nail them down to a definition. That means for the rest of the debate, they have to abide by that definition and they have to be able to defend it. And they can't do that. They need that word to mean whatever they want it to mean at any given point in the conversation so that they can never be wrong. There's the secret to debating liberals. Make them define their terms, if they and they will refuse nine times out of ten. Sometimes you'll get an academic who can hang in there with you for a little while, but even those guys are only going to obfuscate. They're going to go off on tangents. They're not going to stay, and that's another thing. That's rule number two for debating. See, I'm giving you this for free. Rule number two for debating these guys is to keep them on track. Anyway, I digress which I frequently do. So this guy wants to know what what I thought was woke about. How is this woke? Now I know what he's going to do. Or what he's expecting me to do. He expects me to tell him why I think it's woke. And then his next thing is, well, that's not woke. Or why is that woke? That's not woke. That's not the, you know, that's not what woke is. It's like when you ask them, you know, about communism and, and tell them communism has never worked. Well, that's not real communism. That's that's not what that is. It's it's a handy little tool that 
the little tools use for their debate. Anyway, uh, so I told them, I said, why don't you tell me what you, what the definition of woke is so that I know that you understand what woke is. It took us about four, maybe five posts back and forth before, you know, he was like, oh, you're just trying to avoid, you know, the conversation. And he doesn't understand that I don't give a fly and fornicate one way or the other what this maternal fornicator thinks of me. I don't care. Because what he thinks of me means about as much as a warm bucket of hamster vomit. Hat tap Eddie Murphy, or hat tip Eddie Murphy. Back in his Saturday Night Live days, I actually saw that show live. Anyway. Um, so I said, look, I explained why. I was insisting on a definition. I said, this is what I expect you're going to do. And this is why I want you to give me a definition. And I'll be darned, he gave me a definition. He actually did, to his credit. And that, that I respect the living hell out of a liberal who will honestly, intellectually, at least attempt to defend his position in a debate. Absolute, that's, I love that. Like in the the uh, the Last Samurai, I love a good conversation, and I rarely, very rarely, ever get to have a good conversation anymore. And this guy was giving one to me. He he, he gave me a definition. This is gonna work. I'm gonna have a good. Okay, cool. So I explained to him that Riva is the primary reason why I consider this show to be woke. And I explained why. She's the central character. Obi-Wan Kenobi is being... Uh, minimalized, if you will. Degraded in stature to make her look better. Because she's a strong black woman. And that's the message. The message is, is black women are superior to white men. Women are superior to men in general. But black women more so. That's the message. Anyway, I explained that to him. And he said, and again, to his credit, he almost had me. He said, what does her gender or her skin color have to do with it? That's normally my line. And I was just like, that was good. He had me. He had me for all of about, well, I had to work that day. So 12 hours. Maybe not quite 12 hours. Anyway, he had me for a good good period of time. That, well, that was something I had to chew on, and then it hit me. The answer. And I said, the, the real question is, why is she there at all? Why does this character exist at all? You have several pre-existent characters in, in the various Inquisitors 
the Grand Inquisitor, first and second brother, first and second sister, uh, second cousin, twice removed on your uncle's side, who we don't talk about because of that thing at the wedding, you know, all of those guys. You have all of these existent characters. Why did you need to make her? Would it not be possible to make an Obi-Wan Kenobi series just using the existing characters? And the answer is, yeah, it would be. And yes, it should have been. That's the way it should have been done. If it should have been done at all, I don't think it should have been done. I don't think there's any point to this series at all. And I'll get into that now. Because I have made the case against, or made the case that this is a woke show, and 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 that it was all about denigrating Obi Wan Kenobi, so that Reva could be uplifted and shown to be just the amazing, wonderful, incredible black woman of color that she is. I guarantee you. By the way, I'm 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 I'm. There are certain things that I look for at some point in time. Look for these things. I don't know if they've happened yet because apparently the fourth episode just came out today or yesterday or something. Um, I don't know because I'm not watching it. Look for either Obi-Wan, probably Obi-Wan, to at some point tell Reva how amazing she is. That exact word will be used. Another possibility is Darth Vader might say that she's impressive. Most impressive. That's going to happen. Another thing to look for, Obi-Wan riding bitch on a cycle. On a speeder bike. These are tropes that these stupid jackass weirdos use to denigrate males. And when at all possible, white males. But look for that. I, I would not be surprised. Maybe one of those colorful little scooters. And, and Obi-Wan will be riding bitch behind, you know, the, the one uh, actually kind of hot chick on the, on the little colorful scooter. The, the Teletubby scooters. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Um, now they're, and they've made this clear, their directors have made this clear, their showrunners and writers have made this clear that they don't care about canon. They're writing their own excrement and they're going to do it however they want. And that's what they're doing. Like the fact that, well, you know what? Obi-Wan didn't face Vader again until the Battle of the First Death Star. But now they're having him face him twice, is from what I hear. It, I guess in the third episode, he, he faces him again and runs away. And then I guess he's going to fight him one more time, which goes completely against canon. And, and I guess there are some other issues as far as canon is concerned. So 
Disney, again, is, is, is dedicated to woke. They're dedicated to, to destroying Western mythos. And they're doing it, in this case, with, with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's costing them. I've said this from a, from a political standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, definitely 100% from a spiritual standpoint. Folks, these guys are not going to win. They're not going to win. They might look like they're ahead for a little while, but they always fall apart every single time. And in the very, very end, they really fall apart. It does not work out well. So, Disney's going to crumble. I say this all the time. To the extent that you live your life out of phase with reality, you will harm yourself and those around you. It's just a fact. And Disney is doing it to themselves. And as for me... I'm just going to sit back and pop some popcorn and watch the show because I got to admit, I'm really enjoying watching Disney go down in flames. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bath Fitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bath Fitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. 